eye. And I'm thankful for that. One of the things that I have long understood is that as you know and I know, God's love for you and I is unconditional. But not everybody understands this truth, which is his promises are not unconditional. They are based on conditions, always based on conditions. And that is that you and I are living a life of obedience living our lives the best that we can. What? Higher? Start over. I know my voice isn't that low, and you could hear me, so okay. Now repeat back what I just said. That way I'll know if you heard me. His love is unconditional. His promises are not. They're based on conditions. I want to talk to you this morning about overcoming obstacles. In fact, all of worship and even what Rebecca shared really leads up to the fact of what I want to share with you this morning. And if I had a subtitle for this, it would come out of the verse that I want to speak to you about called Wings Like Eagles. There is a verse in the Bible that gives people hope and faith, many of them in fact, that God gives you and I during times of trouble and distress. And it's actually found in the book of Isaiah. That's what we're going to look at this morning is Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. That's okay. I personally think that this verse is a wonderful illustration for you and I and how a person who trusts in God can overcome any obstacle in his or her path. But let me just say this too. That is not always easy. When we face obstacles in our life, tragedies, challenges, it is not always easy to overcome them. In fact, I truly believe that it comes with a process of you and I growing and maturing in the Lord. That is the only way that I believe that you and I can learn to do that. Without God, without his promises, I don't think that that's possible. Most of us, sooner or later, if you haven't already, you're going to come to a place in your life where it feels like a breaking point. I don't know how many of you have ever faced something like that, but I know I have. Breaking points where I wondered if I could even survive it, if I could even go on. Sooner or later, that happens to most of us in our lives. Some of that can happen by your own doing, your own making, by bad behavior or sinful living, and over a period of time, when we continue to live in a pattern like that of bad behavior or sinful living, you will ultimately come to a place of a breaking point. It's inevitable. Warning after warning can be given, and often they are. But unless there is a decision to change, accountability and consequences are certain to occur. For example, uh, I think of addictions to drug or alcoholism. Over time, somebody who lives like that, they're going to find breaking points by the causes of losing their jobs, losing their marriages, losing their families, losing their homes, and ultimately, they could even lose their life. I had a sister, three sisters, some of you already know this, that um, one of them, she was a severe alcoholic. And even though we, as brothers and sisters, warned her again and again and again, 
that she was going to lose her life if she didn't stop. Ultimately, with a mixture of alcoholism and if you guys know anything um, like pain pills, hydrocodone, very strong pain pills, she was taking as many as 15 of those a day along with drinking. And we were just terrified, but she wouldn't listen and she wouldn't stop. And ultimately, one morning, one of my other sisters found her that she had overdosed and was on the floor. She was gone. It was devastating. Months after that, I lost two other sisters to diseases that most human beings have never even heard of. They were fatal. Three sisters gone in two years, two in less than nine months, all three sisters younger than me. Breaking points in their lives for some of them, not necessarily all three sisters, brought them to a place where they lost their life. Without implementation, implementation of discipline, it is unfortunate that bad behavior will never change. It just doesn't. Sometimes people have to hit rock bottom. You know this. You've heard this. I know this. They have to lose everything before there's any possible hope that they will ever turn around. But I'll tell you what, better that happens than not at all. And they lose their life. And many do. Other breaking points can happen suddenly by tragedies. And they're not of our own doing. Some examples that I, I could think of off the top of my head just for that alone is what I just talked about. A loved one passes away. For some, it's suddenly maybe a tragic automobile accident. A medical test, maybe, for some of us comes back positive, And you're devastated. A spouse asks for a divorce. You weren't expecting it. Your company or your boss tells you they don't need you anymore. Or what about this? And we've seen a lot of it. Disasters of nature, not of our making. We see tsunamis, like what happened in Indonesia a number of years ago, where 300,000 plus lives were swept away. Hurricanes that wiped out entire regions. Earthquakes that level cities. I think about paradise, my beloved town, for over 10 plus years where I pastored. You all know what happened in paradise. It became international news. But that little town, that precious town of 25,000 people was wiped off nearly from the face of the map. When I went up there and visited paradise recently, the church that I pastored for 10 years there was nothing left except melted metal laying on the ground. Every home I lived in, gone. Every one of my friends or people who are part of my church, their homes, gone. Elderly who couldn't get out of their homes fast enough, died. Some who tried to escape, found underneath burning cars. Utter devastation. And I thought, so many of these people loved and served God with all of their hearts. How could this happen? Why did this happen? And they were devastated, and I was devastated, and it happened not long after I left paradise. I mean, it's unimaginable, tragedies like this. And when they happen, and you face such things, time stops. You feel like you'll never be the same again. You wonder 
how you even have the strength to go on. All hope even seems to be lost. This is actually a situation that Israel found themselves in. And their troubles came after decades of warnings that God had given them again and again through various prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and others, warned them, if you don't stop what you're doing, the sinful living, if you don't stop bowing down to other idols, if you don't stop burning your own children in fire as a sacrifice, if you don't stop giving injustice to your neighbors, if you don't stop cheating them, and it goes on and on, and God warned them, if you don't stop, you are going to face repercussions beyond what you can imagine. And the warnings came because of the love of God to want to curb that behavior because he loved them and he wanted them to be his people. He wanted them to know their God. But they refused. And then the Babylonian king of Nebuchadnezzar comes and his army destroyed their beloved temple in Jerusalem. The people of Israel lost their homes. Their land was taken away. They were bound in chains, headed to Babylonia, where they were going to become slaves for decades, I might add. Families were dispersed. Loved ones were killed. They lost everything. And this was of their own doing because they refused to listen to the warnings that God had given them. So now, here's their thinking. What's going to happen to us now? How are we going to survive this? Ever felt that? How are you ever going to survive this incredible tragedy that you face? How am I ever going to get through this? Do I even have the hope of a future anymore? Do you know that that's how Jeremiah 29.11, you know that verse? For God says, I know the plans I have for you. That was spoken by Jeremiah to the people on their way to Babylonia in captivity when they felt that God did not care about them anymore, where they believed their lives were being destroyed, where they thought they had no hope for a future, where they had utterly believed that there was no hope for them at all. And yet in that, God spoke this promise. I know what you're thinking. I know you think I don't care. I know you think that I don't see your troubles. I know you think you don't have a future. I know that you think that I have hidden myself from you. But I'm telling you this. I know the plans I have for you. And my plans are not to destroy you. My plans are to give you a hope and a future. And those are the same words that God would speak to you and I in any situation where we feel like we have no hope anymore or this tragedy is too much for us to take, or we're never going to survive what has befallen us. Israel was in trouble. They didn't listen to the Lord, who had given them repeated warnings to turn back from evil behavior. But even while being marched to Babylonia in chains, God uses Isaiah to speak this beautiful promise. And if you've opened your Bibles to Isaiah 40, this is it, or it'll be on the overhead. God says through Isaiah, Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? And Israel, Jacob here is one and the same. Why do you say this? God asks. I want to know why you say this. That my way is hidden from the Lord. This is what they're thinking. 
What's happening to us is hidden from the Lord. In other words, he doesn't see our troubles. Why do you say my cause is disregarded by my God? He doesn't care, in other words. So here comes some rhetorical questions that's being asked of them. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Even youths grow tired and weary. Wait, I skipped a verse. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar, or some translations read, mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So what I want to do is go back and take these few verses just one at a time for the next few minutes and break it down for you and I, because it's so important. So let me go back to the beginning when Isaiah tells them, Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Why do you think that God doesn't see your troubles? If you're taking notes there, this is the first point I want to make. God is aware of every circumstance in your life, and he will never forget you. It doesn't matter what has befallen you. It doesn't matter if, well, it matters, if it's something by your sinful behavior over a period of time has brought you to a place of utter ruin, or if something not of your doing tragically happens, a house is lost in a fire, loved ones are lost, whatever the case may be, God says, your way is not hidden from me. I will never forget you. I know exactly what's going on in your life. But they felt Israel, that is, took no notice of them. They thought God was ignoring them. They didn't think that God even cared. In fact, they thought that God favored their enemy, the Babylonians, because they got all the goodies. They got all the plunder. They got everything. But what God did do was use their enemy to bring about the destruction of Jerusalem and to take the people of Jerusalem in captivity. But there was a plan in all of this. There are times when we face situations like this, and I don't think that there's a person in this room that probably has not ever thought this at one time or another. When you are facing challenges, I don't think God hears my prayers. I don't think he does because nothing's happening. I don't get any answers, certainly not the answers I want to get. I cry my eyes out, but I don't think he sees my tears. I'm suffering. Does he even care? You know, I was thinking last night when I was praying about this message, not necessarily everybody would like to hear this, but suffering will cause you to see things you never would otherwise. We would never see the beauty of stars and galaxies if night never came. You can never really appreciate the feelings, experiences of joy and happiness if you don't experience pain as well. We would learn 
to take these things for granted. Suffering will allow you to see things that you would never have seen before. How often have we felt like that when facing painful situations that God doesn't care? He doesn't hear me. He doesn't see what I'm going through. He's abandoned me. He's left me alone. And our emotions tell us that. I spent an hour with somebody a few nights ago talking to them about their emotions, that you cannot let your emotions dictate what you know the word says to be true because they will often contradict each other. And if you go by your emotions, you're in trouble. If you don't stand on God's word and his promises, you're in trouble. Then you really are in a place where hope is, is, can be lost, difficult to find. But whether a tragedy is of our own making or not, either way, you are never forgotten and your circumstances are never hidden from God. Here's a beautiful promise, another beautiful promise in Isaiah 49, later on down the road, after all this is still going on, God speaks this tender word to Israel even while they're marching in chains. God says, but Zion says, and Zion is Jerusalem, the Zion says, in other words, Jerusalem is saying this. They're thinking this. The Lord has forsaken me. He's forgotten me. And then God says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast, that is, her nursing child, and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, because that's true, there are, are unfortunately nursing mothers that are not so compassionate to the child they've born. God says, though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. He's speaking this to the Jews. I see what's going on. I know what's happening. In fact, I brought it about. But your lives are engraved in the palms of my hand. I'm not going to forget you. I see what's going on. You are not forgotten. I will never abandon you. Your walls and this is the destruction of the walls, but here in scripture, walls often refer to your life. Your life is continually before me, continually. Verses go on to say the rhetorical question, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. On your notes there, taking the time to remember who God is and what God has done in the past will help encourage your faith when facing trials. And Isaiah, among others, repeatedly tried to cause the Jews to remember what God had done in the past by rescuing them from slavery out of Egypt and the multitude of miracles that God had performed in bringing them through the wilderness to himself in Mount Zion. The language here, have you not known, have you not heard, is one of reproving them for their complaining of believing that they've been forsaken, but also to reassure them of God's promises to them. He's trying to encourage them to put their confidence in God and to believe that God is willing and able to deliver them in his time. But until Israel, Jerusalem, 
these, these, these Jewish, this Jewish nation, until they spend time in suffering, in slavery, their behavior that they have been living in for a multitude of, of decades wasn't going to change. Bad, bad behavior takes strong discipline to have any hope of curbing it. How many understand what I'm saying? We do, that's true of our children. I mean, there's many parents that don't believe in spankings. I'm one who, do, who does. I always did. I don't believe in abuse. But I believe in discipline with love because I don't want my child to be one that's going to go on stealing or whatever it is. If I'm going to have to discipline, I'll hope to only have to do it once and make it count. Because otherwise, if it's just a pat on the butt, I mean, the child's going to think, well, it's worth that. You know, I'm just going to keep on robbing that cookie jar because those cookies are worth that pat on the butt, you know, or being, being, having sent to the corner for five minutes. You know, I, I've told so many of my friends who come to me with behavior problems, discipline, really, it's true. When the parents say, it's just as hard on me as it is on you as being spanked. It's like, give me a break if I was the one being spanked. I don't think so. But as parents, if you're implementing discipline, it, it was hard on me. I hated doing it. I hated it. But what motivated me was my child and curbing that bad behavior. And that is the heart of God. That's why he says, don't despise discipline, my discipline, because I correct my children because I love them in order to curb bad, sinful behavior. God is never silent, and he's not distant, and he's not disinterested, and he has spoken through his prophets for generations and asked the rhetorical questions, why Isaiah or why Jerusalem is saying this? And so Isaiah says, haven't you heard? Haven't you known? Of course they have. They've heard for generations the prophets, the readings, the writings of Moses, the Torah. They knew who God was. They've heard of the things that God had done. Even if they weren't the people that God had set free from Egypt, they knew that their distant relatives, what they experienced, they heard, they knew it all. And still in the midst of tragedy, they forgot it all. And when you are facing difficult circumstances, when tragedy hits, when you feel like you're overwhelmed or that you can't go on, whether you're going to survive it, take the time to step back and remember what God has done for you before. He hasn't changed. He will not change. He sees what you're going through, and he will deliver you again but in his time, not yours, because there's something significant and eternal that God wants to establish in your life, and it often will not come without suffering being involved. But it's worth it all. Even Peter says that in, the, in his epistles. Your trials are for a moment, but what they accomplish in you is of an eternal nature. Israel had experienced many miracles of God. But you know what? This particular pain of being in slavery now or going into slavery caused them to forget. And that's true for you and I as well. When we're in pain, we tend to forget what it is that God has done and his promises. But clearly they were struggling to remember this in the midst of tragedy. He is the creator 
of the ends of the earth, the universe. He's everlasting. In other words, no problem is too great for him. And he controls all things pertaining to your life, everything. Verse goes on to say he will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. On your notes, God is continually available to you. He is absolutely trustworthy, and he has perfect insight into your life. Amen. Perfect insight. Let me, let me say this. If God, even for a moment, were to actually become weary, come tired, if he were to get so tired he fell asleep, the whole fabric of nature would fail and disappear. There would be universal chaos. There would be no moral order. In fact, I believe all human existence would cease to exist. Have you ever stopped to think about how God is able to hold this earth in place, the sun in place, the moon in place, the stars, the galaxies, if you ever stop to think about that, it is almost unfathomable how he can do that. I am an animal lover. I, will, I love to watch National Geographic Wild, love to watch all the animals and the creative creativity of God, and it is astounding to me, his nature, that he is the creator of all of that and amazing how they live, the beauty of everything that he's created for you and I. It's astounding. He never sleeps. He's never tired. He's infinite in his energy. He's unsearchable in his understanding. And even when life makes zero sense to you and I, God is not thrown off. God is never perplexed. He's never overwhelmed by any situation no matter how difficult or tragic it may be for you and I. He's beyond us. We may not be able to understand what's going on and why these things are happening. And you can bet the people in paradise, the people who have experienced hurricanes or tsunamis, or people who have gotten a negative report about, about their medical situation, you've got to know that they've probably wondered, why is this happening to me? but we can trust that God does know, even if we don't understand it. Because, loved one, that's where faith is involved. God is never stumped by your problems. He's never baffled by your questions. He's never confused by your confusion or my confusion. And believe me, I can get confused at times. And when we don't know what to do, he does. And our faith has to be in that. God's in control. He knows what I'm going through. He knows what he's doing. He is going to deliver me, and something good is going to come out of this suffering because that's another beautiful promise that God makes. Everything that happens in your life, whether it's meant for good or evil, he's going to work it for your good. So we need to trust him to accomplish our deliverance in his time. When it talks about strength, it refers to the ability to act in the moment of crisis. It speaks of endurance, 
in hard times. Power here means power in your bones. In the Hebrew, that's what it's talking about, power in your bones. That is, being given the physical power to keep on going even if you feel like you can't possibly do it. Ever had that happen? I, I can't go on. I don't have it in me to go on. I don't think I'm going to make it. This is too much for me. I mean, it's just, it's over with. And yet, if you take even a moment and focus on God and his promise, you trust in him, God will do it for you. He will give you the strength that you need because you need it. But those who wait or hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar or mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. In your notes, the last one. To wait or hope in the Lord does not mean that you are waiting for something, but you're waiting for someone. And that is the highest expression of your faith. That you are willing to wait on the Lord in spite of what you are going through is the highest expression of your faith. And I tell you this right now, God will so honor you and bless you because of that act, that stance that you took in the midst of your suffering. Amen. That you made a choice that I am going to stand and believe in God no matter what. And by the way, sometimes what the evil meant to destroy you, God will use that suffering in your life to finally destroy the workings of the enemy in your life and turn the tables around. I've been there and I've done that at one of the lowest places in my life where ocean wave of ocean wave of pain rolled over me and I thought there is no way I'm going to survive this amount of pain. I can't do it. I can't survive it. This is beyond what I'm able to handle, Lord. The losses are too great. It's more than I can bear. And I am never suicidal, but I feel like I want to die. And I've been there. And I've had people who surrounded me and carried me because I couldn't do it on my own. And God will give you what you need when he knows you can't, which is where I think that famous poem of Footprints comes along, that during those times when you see only one set of footprints, they're the Lord who's carrying you. It's not with an attitude that this situation is hopelessness and that you can't do anything, but you're waiting on someone, God, to come through. To mount up on wings means to rise up, to go forth, to climb or ascend. And Isaiah is referencing earlier messages in Exodus when he tells them to remember what God had done for them. And God had said, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You saw it. You read about it. You've heard it. You know it. It's been told to you from generation to generation that I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. And again in Exodus, the Lord says, you've seen what I've done to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings. And now it comes up again. This is a high expression of the wonderful tenderness of God showed for them. And it speaks, by the way, of his particular care of affection for you. Wings of Eagles describes the speed and strength and courage that will, 
that would be important to the life of a faithful person who will make a decision to stand. And the reward and the elation of that waiting will be beyond your comprehension. And he will allow you to come to a place where though these tragedies have happened, somehow he will bring you up, bore you up, that you soar over it like wings of an eagle. Waiting means to wait properly. That means that you wait with an expectancy of hope. It means to wait for God's help, to trust him, to put your confidence in him. In conclusion, I just want to say it's our responsibility to spread our wings of faith and let God's strength take us where you and I could never go on our own. If you're falling or if you're failing, if you feel weak, if you're tired and weary beyond what you feel like, you can take any more and exercise your hope in the Lord and let his strength lift you up so that you can fly. When challenges or tragedies occur in moments of your life, just exactly how do you respond? Because if you believe in God, then how are your thoughts of Him affected by what you see going on around you? Do you feel abandoned or overlooked? Do you think that God doesn't care or that you're hidden from Him? That it doesn't matter what you're going through? The hope is that you would just take a step back and shift your focus from your suffering to remember who God is, what He has done, his promise of what he will do for you if you will wait on him. Would you just bow your heads with me for a moment? Lord, I thank you for the promises of your word. And I thank you for this beautiful promise this morning. That you remind us that even though we may be suffering, that we're facing tragedy or pain or challenges,
love that I've talked about this morning, that kind of affection, that kind of incredible promises God has waiting for you. And you want to make that decision now, this morning, to receive Jesus into your heart. Then would you just raise your hand up so I can see it and I can acknowledge that with you? I'm not going to call you up front or do anything weird, but I just want to acknowledge that with you personally and privately. And maybe everyone here has done that. Is there anyone here? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your love, for your spirit. And thank you for the hope that you bring to each of us. May your word, again, take deep root in our lives. And let it encourage those who need to be encouraged this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing a last song this morning because he is able, just like Pastor Anna said. So if you feel like standing or sitting down, let's sing together. Lift it up. He defeated the grave, raised to life, our God is able, in His name we overcome, for the Lord our God is able, God is able, He will never fail. He is almighty God, greater than all we see, greater than all we ask. He has done great things, lifted up, He defeated the grave, raised to life, our God is able, in His name we overcome. For the Lord, our God, is able. God is with us. God is on our side. He will make a way. Far above all we know. Far above all we hope. He has done great things. Lifted up. He defeated the grave, raised to life, our God is able, in His name we overcome, for the Lord our God is able, lifted up, He defeated the grave, raised to life, our God is able, in His name we overcome for the Lord our God is able we praise you Lord raised so that we could be free you are with us God is with us, 
he will go before he will never leave us and he will never leave us he will always be with us thank you lord jesus thank you lord thank you father god we praise you we praise your name we lift you up Sunday, everyone.
ready is like, nope, you're 